Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. Well, uh, very excited to have Brent here and his family, man. Come on up, brother. We're so excited that you're here to bring the word today. For those of you that didn't know or don't know this man, uh, such a good brother and uh, always a joy to have him in the house. Can I, can I pray for us, Please. man? I uh, love you, man. Lord, thank you for Brent. Thank you for his faithfulness and uh, just his ministry, his joy, his passion for you. And uh, Lord, we pray that your word would come to us today and plant hope and faith in our hearts. Thank you for his preparation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen brother. Thank you. It is, uh, it is so wonderful uh, to come back uh, every year, and I'm always so grateful. I don't know why I always think Pastor Steve's going to cancel me, but he hasn't. <laughs> and I'm grateful for that. And uh, always the, the warm reception uh, when we come, it, it means so much. Uh, just your, your, the excitement in your face and the smile, and uh, you've got to see us live, you know, many different uh, lifetimes, and, uh, and I've preached through all of those. Some of them were good, some of them weren't, but uh, I have something very simple to share. I leave all the complex preaching to uh, Pastor Steve, but um, something that I do think that you can apply and something that we, where we've been living, and, and really it's, it's, the title would be um, the biblical proof of uh, the fraud at the voting stations. <laughs> I'm kidding. I said to Becca and Bright, like, what's something offensive I can say, like, as a title? <laughs> no. It's a life worth living. A life worth living. All of us are living life, Right? We're living it in different ways. We, we, we have different values of what we think is important. And uh, it doesn't mean you're right or, or uh, you know, you're wrong or whatever it might be. But is there a standard in which we can say, like, this is a life worth living? What does that, that look like? Is there something that we need to measure our life against to not waste this precious gift of life? How many of you have attended a funeral? Right? And, and it's, always, it's always a jarring moment, especially if it was unexpected or something like that. And you're like, I've got to make my life count. And that like lasts like a week. And then we're back watching Netflix. <laughs> but there's these moments where, where we have our eyes opened and our hearts opened to like, I have to do more with my life. I have to make my life count. We've seen you know, so many Hollywood movies where somebody has a wake-up moment that now they're going to start, you know, loving their kids or having a better marriage or being a better boss or whatever that might be. But what's heaven's standard for a, a, a life that is worth living? Ephesians 4 verse 1, uh, Paul is writing uh, to the church and he says that he's in prison serving the Lord. Now he's in prison and he's, and he's writing something like this urgent thing that he's sending out of prison. And he says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Like I beg you to, to, to lead a life. So that means it's not automatic. That means you can live a life not worthy of your calling. Who knows that? It's, it's amazing to me, uh, the, the, the kids in high school who seemed like they were just, they're going to be astronauts and doctors and all of these things, the, the head boy and the head girl and all of that many times don't end up reaching the expectations that you think they're going to achieve, right? 
We have expectations of what we think. Uh, another one, Hebrews 11.6, said it is impossible to please God without faith. Why I wanted to share this with you today, because here you got Paul saying, please live a life worthy of the calling. Like I'm begging you. From prison, I'm begging you. Live a life worthy of your calling. And here in Hebrews, we see that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you, do you want to please God? Like, is that a waking thought on your mind when you wake up? You're like, I want to please God today. My wife and I just celebrated our 17th uh, anniversary. And uh, I haven't always thought, I, I've always wanted to take care of my wife, but I haven't always like sat and pondered, like, how do I make my wife extra happy today? And recently that started happening. And I was like, where did this come from? But like I take time out of my day to like think about my wife and, and like what things I can do for her, for her to feel more loved and, 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 and happier. And she is, she's very happy. But I think, you know, that's just my, my, my heart maturing and, and our love growing. But in the same way, do we think about God in that way? Like, Lord, what can I do to please you today? And the Bible answers that and says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now that should give us a healthy shake. That should give us a healthy shake because we can be doing a thousand different things with our life and not pleasing God. We can even be coming to church and not pleasing God. We can sing worship songs and not please God. We can live a whole Christian culture life and not please God. That's why this verse should be like, whoa, not condemnation, but a, but a reflection to say like, am I living with faith? And what does that mean? And I'm going to break it down in a, in a, in, in a practical sense and, and share some uh, um, testimony around that. And, and then in Luke 12, 48, when someone has been given much, much is required in return. There is an expectation on your life that it will have a return. That all that has been given to you and anybody who's sitting here says, well, I, you know, I didn't get a whole lot. You know, I didn't get a trust fund. You've got the greatest trust fund in the universe. The grace of God. Right? Relationship with the Father. What can be better than that? Much has been given. And so even more will be required. Are you living a life worthy by heaven's standards? I always think about the movie Saving Private Ryan came out in like 1998. You may not have seen it, but the premise of the movie is, you know, they need to go get this guy, Private Ryan. They need to go tell him something or bring him back for, for some reason. And the whole movie, you're just watching people getting killed on their way to try rescue him. And it's a true story. You know, and you're watching this and you're conflicted because you're watching all these other people dying trying to save his life. And whenever I read these verses, I think about, you know, the post scenes that we don't see in the movie of Saving Private Ryan. Like, what did he go on to become? And I have a little flashback of, maybe you've seen the Thor where he got super fat and he's sitting there drinking beer and eating Cheetos. And that's what, you know, Private Ryan became. After all the lives that were sacrificed, after everything, all the military operations to rescue him there, he's sitting there watching Netflix, just eating chips. Is that a life worthy of the sacrifices that was made? You hear what I'm saying? 
you have to think about your life in context of all the sacrifices, starting with, with the fathers of faith, Abraham, of course, Jesus, and then everything that flowed from that. There have been sacrifices. People have died to continue for this gospel to go on, and you are a product of that. Are you living worthy of your calling? I love movies, so a lot of my references come from movies. Has anybody ever seen The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise? Great movie, if you haven't seen it. It's fantastic. But there's one scene in there where the teacher is telling him and the music is playing and it's this really emotional moment. And he says, you can spend your entire life looking for the perfect blossom and it wouldn't be a waste. And you go like, oh, that's so deep. It's nonsense. <laughs> you can... You can absolutely waste your life looking for the perfect blossom. We have to live a life worthy of the calling. And well, Brent, what does that mean? I'm going I'm to do my best to explain it, but that's what the whole Bible is. It's teaching us what that calling is. But it has to be a life of faith. What does that look like to live a life of faith? Okay, let's go to the definition of faith, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for. Okay, so to live a life of faith, there has to be hope in your heart that you are hoping for something. One of the biggest challenges that we face in America is the fact that we don't really need God for the lifestyles that we live. You can pretty much get past. Let me ask you this. Would you know if God didn't show up at church today? Like what, what difference would it be? How different would worship be? How different would the message be? Because there are some fantastic speakers out there who don't have a relationship with God at all. They will move you to tears. They're amazing at their gift. So do you know the difference if God is here or not here? Do you know... If, if, if God is active or not active in your life, how do you know? What are the signs? What are the things that you can say, I'm living by faith because of this or that or whatever it might be. So if God didn't do anything in your life tomorrow, how different would it be? You see, in America, self-effort is so praised. We are amazing. We're super educated. We're very wealthy. And we are able to do amazing things apart from God. And it's happening all the time. It's happening all the time. But by God's grace, He keeps putting breath in our lungs. But we are not living lives, for the most part, that require any faith. Because we do it through self-reliance. Let me ask you this. If God didn't show up in your business tomorrow, what difference would it make? If God's not active in your marriage, what difference does it make? If God's not active in raising your children, what difference does it make? There should be a stark difference. If we are living lives of faith, if God didn't show up on your ski run, but I'm being serious, what difference would it make? Because if we are supposed to do everything to the glory of God, that means even my ski run can be done with faith. This is true. I will tell you something really dumb, and you can judge me because I deserve it. But I play this rugby game on my phone, and I'm really good at it. 
I've been like number one in the entire world. And this is played through multiple countries, millions of users. But I play it with faith. <laughs> Genuinely, I pray <laughs> before I play my games. And I say, God, please help me. He said, Brent, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But what's the alternative? The alternative is not inviting God into that and just doing it on my own. You hear what I'm saying? Even something as silly as that. It's, it's taking everything that we do and we still have to live our lives. We don't just spend all time worshiping at church. Who cooks meals? Nobody. Everyone's ordering out. <laughs> Order out with faith. <laughs> but what I'm saying is the practicality of this great gospel and living by faith has to be broken down into the simple practical things of our lives. The enjoyment of serving God comes from inviting him into a rugby game. Lord, give me the strategy to beat this guy, which I think is a nine-year-old child, but help me. <laughs> Verse 8. By faith that Abraham obeyed God when he called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Now, what I don't want you to get lost in this is like, okay, the only way to live by faith is to pack up and just head east and we don't know where we're going. No, that was what he was called to do. There are ways for you to live by faith today. Right now, God is calling you to different things. And if you read Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, it was all different things. And some of them were very practical for right in their life at that time. They were just following God. But everything that we have to do, we have to stop and say, Lord, if I'm not living by faith, show me, convict me. Because otherwise, what are we doing? We're living lives that don't please God. Who wants that? I don't want to live a marriage that I don't please my wife. And I don't want to serve God in a way that doesn't please him. And he's told us. We've got to live by faith. Even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. And this is such a powerful point. Because sometimes we are trusting God and we are living by faith. And, we, and then we reach that, that promised land and then we're like, ah. Oh. And, we, and we turn to self-reliance. I don't know if you've ever had this, but... If you've ever started a business, most times it doesn't just start flourishing from the day you put the open sign on and you're trusting God and, you know, for strategy and ways for your business to work and then, and then it starts to become profitable and then it starts to do very well and then you no longer need God because it runs itself. That's not what happened here. He continued to live by faith even when he reached that place. And we have to do the same. We reached that place. We reached the promised land, my wife and I, my family. We, we had more money than uh, we had ever had in our lives. We lived in a fantastic little neighborhood, one of the most sought-after zip codes in Houston, you know, where you have the young moms pushing their, their strollers around because they don't work. And uh, that's how you know you've reached, you know, the, the, the great place. And everyone's got two dogs and... You know, all, all of those things. But you know what we lost? You know what we started to realize in our life? We lost our faith. We weren't living by faith. 
I didn't need God to pay my bills. I could pay them on my own. We could go anywhere we wanted on vacation because we had the finances. We no longer had to say, Lord, where would you open a door for us? Before, before we got our citizenship, everything was by faith. Are we going to be here next week? Please, Lord, only by your will. You hear what I'm saying? It's not a bad place to be. Do you know when God fed the Israelites in the desert? Do you know why he only fed them for one day? And didn't give them six months supply, which would have been much easier for them. Because it was by faith. Every day I'm trusting the Lord for my daily bread. For my daily bread. And I want to tell you what. It's a much more exciting life. I'm not at all saying anything against wealth or provision, but you have to find it. Like Abraham, you have to find a way in that promised land to still serve the Lord by faith. And when you have a lot of money, you've got to be that much more purposeful about serving the Lord with faith because money can try to replace faith. Because it's there. You can do so much with money that you don't have to rely on God. You can't raise your kids well, always, with money, right? You can't change the heart with money. There are, there are still things, but you've got to find those things and say, Lord, how do I live by faith, even though I'm so blessed? George Mueller. Anybody heard of George Mueller? Look at that guy, handsome devil. <laughs> anyway, he, he wanted to become a pastor and he did become a pastor and he said to the church, I don't want you to pay me anything because how can I teach you about faith if you're providing my salary? I'm going to trust God. So they never paid him. Then he wanted to teach the congregation about faith. And so he decided to open an orphanage and he said, we are never going to ask for funding. We are going to trust God because him and his wife wanted the congregation's faith to grow because it was so important for them to learn to trust God. So they started an orphanage and they never asked for funding. Now, why is it so important to learn this concept of living by faith? Because you remove the barriers. Because if you're trusting God for $100 or you're trusting God for a million dollars, when you're walking by faith, that number no longer matters. But when you're trying to do it on your own, your own skill, your own ways and your own provision, those things make a huge difference. When you're living by faith, praying for a bird's broken arm or, or wing or praying for cancer no longer matters because you're totally dependent on God to do it. But when you're doing it in your own provision, the scale is much different. Why it was so important for George to do it like this? Because if they were going to do funding, they would always be limited by the amount of funding that they could raise according to what they would be able to do. Where if they could do it by faith, they would do it by what God was leading and God was saying, and that would be the vision that they would strive for. You hear the difference? I want you to know that God revealed to me how much self-reliance was in everything that I was doing. And I'm not talking about like that I'm sinful, banging my chest like King Kong, look how cool I am. I'm talking about that I had limited my life to just what I could achieve and what we could do. And so we had to make a radical shift. And this was one of the reasons why we moved to the ranch. Because there's, you can plant seeds, but only God can make crops grow. And in the practical sense, we started to rebuild our faith from those things. And I'm going to prove to you that that's exactly how David did it in the Bible. Is there evidence of God in your life? 
Think about it. Ask yourself internally. Is there evidence of God in your life? This, this is a thing that if you're, a, if you're married, go home and have this conversation without condemnation. This is not, con- don't let condemnation come into this because that's not from God. But this should be an excited call to say, there's so much more that we can be doing. If you're a single mom, sit down with your kids and say, where is the evidence of God in our life? When we grew up, there's my mom there. There was so much evidence of God in our life. Let me tell you some of the things. We wanted to to come to America, very spiritual thing, to go to Disney World. I don't want you to think that God just cares and is interested in the super holy things. He's interested in everything. He is a father. And how old were we at the time? About 10. Okay, so we weren't like super mature in our prayers. But we wanted to go to America. And so we trusted God. There was no possible way we could ever get to Disney World with my mom being a single mom, my dad providing no support, you know, and all the other things. We were just happy to have a place that we could sleep in. And here we started to pray and trust God. And it will take too much time for me to tell you the whole story, but we came to America, and we went to Disney World, and we ate McDonald's for the first time. (laughs) Now, we had so many occasions like that in our life that, that I could never deny God, never. Because we saw him, I know that he did things that were just, it was impossible. And not just for us, things that we were able to do for others and things like that. Here's one, and please, I'm I'm just giving you a practical example. I know somebody's going to say, oh, that's the prosperity gospel. Listen, when you don't have a car, it's not called the prosperity gospel. You hear what I'm saying? When you need a car, that's called provision. Our... uh, uh, my, my, my kindergarten teacher, right, didn't have a car. And, and this was at a small age because already we had seen God. At five, I said to her, I'm, I'm praying that God's going to give you a new car. And she's like, thanks, little boy. That'll never happen. <laughs> that week, her husband, who had just bought a new car, got a promotion and got given a company car. And he gave her the new car. Now, you can say, oh, that's just coincidence. Or... You can let that stir up your heart that God actually does some amazing things when we ask. You you hear what I'm saying? Now, as a kid, that was a miracle. Now, whether she believed that was a miracle or not, something happened because we prayed and and something shifted. Why not ask? Why not step out and live by faith? What do you have to lose? Well, what if God doesn't answer my prayer? Well, then you know Worse off than you are now. But what if he does? What if he leads you into something else? You hear what I'm saying? We're so scared that, oh, well, what if he doesn't come through? Well, you're not going to lose anything that you, that you, where you're currently at. You only have to gain when you live by faith. You hear me? Our uh, social platform that we have been building, uh, you know, it got to the stage where I just, I, I took the load off my shoulder and I said, Lord, this is yours. If you want this thing to continue, you do it. I'm working hard. I'm doing everything that I can. I'm not just sitting back saying, God bless it while I'm watching Netflix. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm working hard. I'm doing whatever I can. But it got to the stage where I was like, 
I'm not living by faith. I'm living by my, my, my mental ascent. I'm living by my programming skills. I'm living by my team. I'm not doing this by faith. So where is the glory to God? When this makes it, where do I turn and say, look, look what the Lord did? No, look what I did. Look at my hard work. I took my hands off and said, Lord, it's yours. Uh, I don't know if I shared this with you last time, but when the, the U.S. pulled out of Afghanistan, an organization took our app because it's so secure and they rescued 800 people out of Afghanistan. 800 lives were impacted because we gave this to God and said, you use it for what you think it should be used for. Isn't that incredible? In, uh, uh, in March, they're having a huge uh, uh, outreach in Houston. 50,000 volunteers a thousand different organizations are coming together to spread the love of God across Houston. All the major churches are, are joining arms to do it. Do you know what software they're using to coordinate this whole thing? Loop. Isn't that wonderful? But you see, that, that's, there's no pride for me in that. There's only glory to God because I could not have made that happen. And this is the joy of living by faith. Are you enjoying this? I hope so. Because it's good news, right? If all you are living to do by what you can achieve, there's no witness on that. Nobody's looking at your life and saying, please tell me more about God. They're saying, please tell me more about your strategy. I'm not against business books and you know, all these secular things. We can learn wisdom from a lot of places. But if that's our greatest resource to go to, where's the praise to God? Right? Or to give Him the, the, the option, if this is even for our lives. Lord, if you want me to have this, then I'm putting it in your hands. And if you take it away, like, I'm okay. That's where I had to get to with Luke. Like, I thought I was following you. I don't know anymore. You help me. I'm putting it on you. George Mueller cared for 10,000 orphans. He educated more than 120,000 kids in Christian education. And he did that because he didn't rely on just funding to make it happen. Now, I'm not against fundraisers or any of those things. Please don't hear that. I'm saying everything that we need to do, we need to do by faith. One of the reasons I love to dirt bike is because I'm so scared while I'm doing it. <laughs> and I'm praying the entire time. I dirt bike by faith. You say, Brent, that's so dumb. It's the best prayer time I can get. It's so genuine and desperate as I'm going over the big jump. But I'm saying, bringing God into everything that we are doing and not just doing it in our own strength, but by faith. And then when I land the jump, I'm like... Wow, Lord, thank you. I believe it pleases God when we live that way. I believe you can cook by faith. And we've seen it done with Brother Lawrence. I believe you can cook by faith. Not just cook a meal, but to enjoy God with it. Do you know that my kids, they tell me that when I did that 40-day fast and I was cooking, that is the greatest meals they have ever tasted in our household. And I never tasted any of those meals. Am I right? They say it's the best meals they've ever had because everything I was doing was so by faith. 
I was so dependent on God. But it's a fight to stay there. You hear what I'm saying? We have to fight to live a life of faith. One of the stories that so impacted me about George Mueller, they sat down, they had no food. All these kids, they had empty plates. Maybe you've heard this. And they, he said to say grace. And now they're saying grace to thank God for food that they don't have. And a bakery truck broke down outside their orphanage. And the guy knocked on the door and he said, hey, all this food is going to spoil. You might as well take it all. And they ate. I was so jealous of that story. Like in a healthy way. Like... That is the coolest thing I've ever heard because they trusted God. A few weeks ago, we had our bakery story. We have got so many animals. God is blessing our pigs. We've had like 30 new pigs in the past month. I just got a text today. We've had more pigs from my mom we didn't even know was pregnant. It's a miracle birth. Anyway, we've got so many animals. We've got so many mouths to feed and we're doing this by faith. Because number one, we don't have all the resources to take care of it, which is a wonderful thing. Because then we clearly know what God's will is. Because if it's not God's will, it's not going to happen. A truck, an 18-wheeler truck with $36,000 worth of produce. The, the truck driver turned the, the temperature too far down on all the produce. It was going to Walmart, and Walmart rejected it. And so how they got our number to call us and they came and delivered and the whole street was lined with broccoli and lettuce and all these things. And our pigs were, <laughs> they were parting it up. But the greatest thing is that my kids are witnessing the miracle provision. We could not do that. We had no hand in that. That was a miracle from God to come. And we're on Facebook telling people to come get veggies and come get things. We had more than what we could contain. I know what it was like for Peter to cast his net on the other side and have too many fish that he was calling others to help. We could not contain all the food that we had. And you want to know something? It happened twice. This was the second 18-wheeler truck that came and dropped off food from two completely different companies. We're a new farm. There are hundreds of farms ahead of us on whatever list that this is that we are on. They came to us because we are trusting God and we are farming by faith. You hear what I'm saying? But we put ourselves in that position. I could have lived in that little bubble and continued to work for a public company, having a great salary for the rest of my life. But there's something more important to us than a great salary and a nice neighborhood. And it was living by faith. And don't get me wrong. Our life on the ranch, it's the best life I've ever had. But it's a life of faith. We constantly have to pray for animals to come back from the dead. <laughs> Brent, that can't be real. Let me tell you something, why it's so important to pray for animals. You ready? It's going to change your life. When David went up against Goliath, what evidence of faith in his life did he use to give him confidence that he could take down Goliath? Please tell me. <coughs> The story about watching over the sheep and the lion and the bear gave him the faith and the confidence because he watched over those sheep by faith. That when the lion and the bear came by faith, he went after them knowing that God would deliver them. It is so important to take every opportunity, whether it's playing a stupid rugby game, 
or whether it's somebody in hospital. Let me tell you something. It works. And praying for animals is better because you're not dealing with their rejection. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? You get to practice. Let me show you this one. Rocky the goat. Rocky the miracle goat. Will you bring it up there? This goat, and, and he asked my, my daughter to confirm this. This goat was born lame in the front legs and blind. Was rejected by its mom. We found it. It was about to die. We brought it into the home. And we began to try to nurse it. And it was heartbreaking because its back legs would work, but its front legs would, so it would get into all these contorted, twisted things. And the goat was blind. Anyway, we're taking care. We're praying over Rocky. We're praying over Rocky. And, and you know, Rocky's still alive the next morning and alive and alive. Anyway, the, uh, the pastor of the church where we attend in Brenham came over and, uh, you know, Rocky's famous on loop. And so everybody knew about Rocky. And uh, so the pastor came and prayed for Rocky. Do you know within five minutes of Rocky getting prayer, there was like this gray film on Rocky's eyes that disappeared. And Rocky could see. And Rocky could stand. And now Rocky's running around with all his buddies on the farm. And every Airbnb guest we have, I give them a farm tour. And I tell them the story of God's grace on Rocky. So they hear about God's miracle. But I will tell you something funny. When God healed Rocky, I looked up to heaven and thought, look, I've got much bigger things I need help with. <laughs> but if you've prayed for a blind goat who now sees, you're that much more confident to pray for a blind person to see. Because it's by faith and not by your ability. That had nothing to do with us. That was purely the mercy and grace of God. But we are doing everything by faith. What would be, have been the alternative? To not pray for Rocky? You hear what I'm saying? What do we lose by trusting God? By stepping out? Yeah, but what if I'm disappointed? Yeah, what if you're disappointed? That's not the point. The point, listen to this, is to trust in the mercy and the goodness of God. Will you bring up, there it is. We must believe that God exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That's the point. And listen to this. At, the, at Hebrews 11.13, it's amazing. All these people died believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. It's better to die in faith than to die in disbelief. They never got the fulfillment of what they were hoping for. But that wasn't the point. The point was to live in faith. Not every animal we've prayed for has recovered. But I think more animals have recovered because we prayed for them. You see the difference? Okay, let me give you a practical example. And please don't mishear what I'm saying here. Because I know someone's going to write to Steve and say, Brent said throw our pills away. No, I'm not saying that. <coughs> If you are on medication, what do you have to lose that the next time you take your medication, you say, thank you, God, that you are healing me and one day I won't have to take this versus just taking the medication and not saying anything. You hear what I'm saying? I told a friend once who wanted to quit smoking. I said, every time you light up a cigarette, just say, thank you, Lord, that one day I won't smoke. What do you have to lose? You're smoking by faith. 
Invite God into everything that you are doing. Why not? It's making you mindful of God. It's raising your expectation about what God can do in a situation versus just doing it in your own effort and not asking God for help. You hear what I'm saying? I want you to come visit this ranch because I want you to see we knew nothing about farming. Nothing. I watch YouTube by faith. And then we go try to do it. And our, our ranch is flourishing. We have got ducks, chickens, guineas, peacocks. We've got goats. We've got pigs coming out of our ears. We've got, I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And these animals are, 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 are so happy. And we did this all by faith, stepping out just to partner with God in something. You hear what I'm saying? And then we launched an Airbnb. Okay, we're going to bring people to the ranch. Help us, Lord. And in January, we'll be a super host already. People love it there. They feel the presence of God. They get the gospel. Every person who comes hears the gospel. Instead of just Airbnb, just to put it on. No, we do it by faith and say, Lord, how do we bring you into this Airbnb? Here, I'm talking about the practical things. We think it's just super faith on a Sunday or only when somebody's in a hospital. No, it's living by faith every single day. When we drive now to Denver to fly home, we do it by faith. Lord, thank you that you watch over us as we drive. If there's somebody that we can bless on the way, please show us. Versus, okay, let's get in the car and stop touching me, right? <laughs> it's so rewarding. To bring God into all of these things. At 17 years of marriage, and I know some of you have been married a lot longer than that. My wife and I are still operating in faith to be the best that we can be for one another. Because I don't ever want to just do it in my own self-effort. It's so limited. You hear what I'm saying? Okay. Now, who would be brave enough ever, as I've been speaking, and it doesn't have to be like something really revealing but as this word has been going out you've been thinking about things in your life maybe maybe work maybe relationships maybe ideas whatever it might be that you realize that you can bring God in and why I'm going to ask you to say it out loud because it's going to encourage somebody else who's in the same situation so practically we can't just be hearers we've got to be doers Otherwise, it's, it's worth nothing. Otherwise, it was just a nice message that's, that's just gone with the snow. So, anybody here, has the Lord pricked your heart to say like, you need to, you need to bring me into this, this situation, this circumstance. And it can be simple, like my rugby game. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. 
Church, can we celebrate that? Even if you've heard that before, right? Now, my question to you is, with your sight that you have now, how do you keep living with faith? Okay. Right, not just taking it for granted. That's what Abraham did. Even when he reached that place, he continued to live in faith. Who else? Yes, sir. Amen. The alternative was don't invite God in. You know, that's the crazy thing is we lose nothing by living by faith. We only gain. Don't let disappointment and the fear of it not working out stop you from trying. Right? One more person. Yes. Amen. Somebody's stepping out, right? There's not a single person here that is exempt that God doesn't have something for you. Not one single person. The only thing is, will you step out and try? And that's why I give you silly examples that you laugh at so that you can rather start with something silly than do nothing. I can never pray for someone in hospital. Okay, pray for the cat. I'm telling you, it's important. You've got to start somewhere rather than not trying. God will reveal and he'll show himself to you in those moments. I always tease people, you know, if, if, if you ever really need the toilet, right? Because you've eaten something bad and you're trying to make the toilet. I say like, do you pray in those moments? Like, you can pray for that. That's the perfect time to pray. God, mercy. God wants to be involved in every. Every part of your life for us to live by faith. Pastor, you can come up. Will you dare to live a life of faith? And I'm not telling you go sell everything. Maybe some of you are at that stage. Fine. I'm telling you, please start somewhere. Start somewhere. And if you're married, please sit down and have this conversation together. Do we see the evidence of God in our life? And if not, 
man, you can start right away. What do we need to adjust? What do we need to do? What needs to change? That if God doesn't show up, we won't succeed. Without God, loop won't make it. And I say that with joy in my heart. Because I would rather it not make it if God's not in it. And me doing something that God didn't want me to do. But when it does make it, we are praising God regardless. You hear what I'm saying? Put God in a place that if He doesn't show up, it doesn't work. And then you automatically live by faith. So just like your example of running through the airport. God had to do something. Delay the flight, whatever it might be. And then you're like, wow. It stirs your faith for the next thing and the next thing. And it becomes this wonderful addiction to want to journey with God and know His goodness. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.